few weeks ago, we began a series of lessons that are all connected together. We started with the first one, the first study, in the fact that Christ has all authority. And if you was here, you understand very clearly because we only presented about six verses that spells it out very clearly. John 12, verse 40-50 would be the one I would pick if I was to just use one. Because Jesus stood before the Jews, before the world, before you. And He said, He that rejects Me and receives not My words hath one that judges Him. The very word that I have spoken, the same should judge Him in the last day. For I have not spoken of Myself, but the Father which sent Me he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that His commandment is life everlasting. Well, that's as far as we need to go in the quotation of that. But we studied the fact uh, that Christ has all authority. There is no authority down here on this in this universe that's not under the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw in Colossians particularly... Uh, well, that uh, uh, He upholds all things by the word of His power. This world is not chaotically running at its own speed. It's not just caused chaotically, chaotically doing what it wants to do. There are bounds and habitations that's been set up beyond which the nations cannot go. Because the, re- the purpose of the whole creation was the redemption redemptive purpose the redemption of ruined humanity and so he has all authority and we spent the whole uh, hour on that fact of his authority and then we shifted gears and we went into uh, the next set of, of, of investigation uh, so he has all authority what did he do with it well he put it in his word didn't he we just talked about that. He that rejects me and receives not my word has one that judges him. The word that I've spoken is to judge him in the last day. And so Jesus has all authority. That was our first study. Our second study was the fact that he put that authority in his word. That word that you got before you, that Bible you got before you, is going to judge the entire world. It's It's been the judgment of this world since... Since God revealed it, and it continues to be that stand in that position, Amen. the judgment of this world. Uh, so, with His authority, He placed all authority in His Word. Now, what did He do with that Word? I mean, so His authority is in His Word. Where do we find His Word? Where do we go to excel in His Word? Well, we certainly do not go to... uh, You remember I made a long list, and I want to go down through it. I made a long list of things that we need to consider. Because He has all authority, invested all authority in His Word, uh, we're not... uh, It's not a matter of how we feel about things. Your feelings has nothing to do with your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is contingent upon Christ and upon His Word because that's what's going to judge you. All right, how about opinions? Everybody has an opinion. 
We do not have a right to preach our opinions. Our opinions have no authority whatsoever in view of the Word of God that came by way of Christ Jesus. All right, our personal beliefs. Everybody's got little segments of personal beliefs. That's all they are is personal beliefs. <laughs> if they can't be established by the Word of God, they have no authority. That's right. And I think we understand that. You need to get off your high horse and come down in humility and explain and understand that you're not as great as you think you are. It amazes me the pride of man. He really thinks he's something when he's nothing. Without God, without the virtues that only God can give, he is nothing. He has nothing to offer. How about individual faiths? Well, we've all got one. That has no authority. I don't go around preaching my faith. I preach what the Word of God has instilled in me. So I'm preaching the faith of the Bible. And that's what Jude said that we were to do, was to go forth and, and defend and stand up for the faith which was once and for all time delivered unto the saints. Well, how about preachers and pastors? They have no authority. Uh, they're just a bunch of little pompous pigs that think that they are somebody. And they draw a pretty good paycheck for being nobody. If you want to be a nobody, you can draw some pretty good money doing that. You preach what people want to hear and make them laugh and carry on, hey, you can make some pretty good money. They're, they're con artists. I'll just say it as it is that preach in the name of Jesus or try to. Uh, anyway, your catechisms, your councils, your synods out here, your, uh, your disciplines and your manuals and your creeds and all of that has nothing to do with the reality and the credibility of how you're going to stand before God. Because you're going to be judged by His Word. And so Jesus put all authority in his word. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. What did Jesus do with that authoritative word? How can I have that authoritative word? Well, I certainly don't go to preachers to get it. Now, they may help me in my understanding, that's true, but most of them are dumber than the post, uh, the ones that I've met anyway. They can razzle-dazzle people with a few scriptures, that's true. But they're just phonies, most of them. Can I say that without getting stoned? <laughs> uh, so, what I'm getting at is this. When you go to understand what God wants you to understand, where do you go? Here's this authoritative word it's going to judge you in the last day. Spoken by Jesus. Well, it's pretty simple, isn't it? You go to the Bible. You go to the Bible. You don't go to some priest or some uh, preacher or some pastor or some uh, synod or some council to seek what you need in understanding your relationship with God. The Bible. God's revealed it. <laughs> 
So, uh, we looked uh, last week, I believe it was, at the fact that that authoritative word was given to certain men. Wasn't given to everybody. Wasn't given to everybody. It was given for everybody, but it wasn't given to everybody, if you understand my meaning. There was only 12 that Jesus chose to be apostles. You want to read about it? John 15, verse uh, 16. Jesus was speaking to 12 men that he chose. He walked along the Sea of Galilee and he chose 12 fishermen. And he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then in that verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 16, he said, uh, you did not choose me, I chose you. And so who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to the ones that Jesus chose. And what did he choose them for? That's the next question. Well, you go down to verse 27 and 28 of that same passage of Scripture. Uh, chapter uh, 16, uh, chapter 15, verse 27 and 28. And Jesus told those men, not only did I choose you uniquely and exclusively, but I chose you to receive the Spirit and to declare it to all men. And so these were men under a commission. These were men chosen by the Lord. You have to ask yourself the question, why didn't he go down? Why didn't... Well, I'm not going to go into that. No, I don't need to go into that. But the point we need to see is that Jesus chose the men who would be, take the Word and reveal it unto us. And that's what we have right here in the Bible. It is the revealed Word of God through the Apostles. And so not, not everybody's inspired uh, miraculously. We're inspired only by the Word of God, but we're not inspired miraculously. God doesn't speak to me, and He don't speak to you. And if He is, if you think He's speaking to you, maybe you need to go see a psychiatrist, would be my advice. Because there's something wrong there. God does not speak to man except through the Word. So Jesus has all authority, placed all authority in His Word. He gave that authoritative Word to 12 men called apostles. And you remember in John 14, uh, verse 25 and 26, He told those men, and also in John 16, verse 12 and 13, he said, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. But that's no problem. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all the truth. So these men were guided miraculously. You and I are not. Because Paul wrote Timothy, a young preacher of his time, an apprentice that traveled with him and learned from him. And he told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God. And so my inspiration comes by perspiration. Study to show yourself approved unto God. So these men were given the Spirit.
to guide him into all the truth and to show him things to come. And that's what we have before us is the word of God through the apostles. You remember when the church began on its birthday in Acts 2? What does it say about those 3,000 Jews that obeyed the gospel in that very hour? In verse 42 it says that they continued steadfastly in what? The apostles' teaching. They didn't go down and confer with the preachers and, the, and all of that, the councils and the synods and all of that. They continued unbrokenly in the apostles' teaching. Why? Because they were the ones inspired. In Acts 2, there was only 12 men inspired. The 120 was not inspired. Let me say that and just let it rest right there. You couldn't prove it if your life depended on it. But I can prove if my life depended on it, then only 12 men spoke on that occasion. We're not teaching that, so we're not going to go in. We're not going to take the time. But these men were unique. These men were special. They were apostles. Jesus commanded these men to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now that seemed like an impossible task, but it isn't when they when you hear like they heard the last words of the Lord. He said, "Lo, I'm with you always, to the, even to the end of the world." And so, with him being the creator of this world, did they have any uh, doubt of failing? Did they have any uh, wonderment about the task at hand? None at all. Twelve men to go into all the world and preach the gospel to to who? To every creature. Do you suppose every creature heard it? Well, if they didn't, Jesus lied. And Paul lied because in Colossians 1 verse 26, Paul said that uh, he wrote that letter, uh, he wrote what I'm fixing to say about 62 A.D. And he said by that time that the gospel had already been preached to every creature under heaven. Does God love this world? Yes, He does. Has He preached the gospel to the whole world? Yes, He has. So here's this authoritative word being given to the apostles that they might dispense it to the world. And they did. They went into all the world and preached the gospel. But what's the nature of that word? Do we have sufficient... Uh, is it sufficient enough... In all of our needs, is the Word of God sufficient to give me courage, strength, vitality, and to face life and all of its difficulties and its problems? Well, Paul raises the question for you to consider in Romans 8, verse 31. He says, since God is for us, who or what can be against us? <laughs> he that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all? In view of that, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? You and I are God's elect. We've been elected for salvation in Christ. Who's going to lay anything to our charge? You know what the answer to that is? Don't you know that it's God that justifies? Amen. Who's going to condemn us? Well, don't you know it's Christ that died for the condemned? And so since God is for us, who... What can be against us? You know, Paul finishes that chapter. He says, Nay, and all these things were more than conquerors. 
For I am persuaded neither death nor life, nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is found only in Christ Jesus. And so, uh, and so this word that we've been given by the apostles, this word that has all authority, this word that came from Jesus, the one who had all authority, that placed all authority in his word, this word and its authority, does it meet all the needs of man? Well, let's look at it. Let's begin in John 20, verse 30 and 31. I think that's on the board. Yeah. The title of this lesson this morning is All Sufficiency of That Word. It's sufficient for all that we need. Now, it's interesting when you study the, the letter that John wrote, the Gospel. Because generally, an author will tell you why he's writing the book in the first few pages. John waits till he finishes the book to tell you why he wrote the book. And so in John 20, verse 30 and 31, as John closes out, he says, Truly, many other signs did Jesus in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. Why was these things written? Well, John says not everything's written in here. I didn't tell you about all the miracles Jesus done, all the work that he done. In fact, earlier in the 20th chapter, he said, if everything Jesus done was put in a book, the world wouldn't contain the information. But he said, what I put in this book is sufficient. It is sufficient. The Word of God is sufficient. That's what John's saying about his book. It's sufficient. To guide you into all the truth. And then in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, Paul tells us that the Word is sufficient. He says all Scripture, and that's what we're looking at when we look at the Bible, Scripture, all Scripture <coughs> is inspired of God. That means God breathed it. It's God's breath. Now you can get off on this nonsense of saying, well, you know, it's come through translators and all that stuff and men screwed up at God's Word. I don't think they have that power to you. When He created this universe and He's maintaining it right at this very millisecond, I don't think the little peons have the power to, to disturb God's love and His Word that reveals it. I don't believe they do. I know they don't. And so Paul said all Scripture is inspired of God. And is profitable. Now here's the profit of it. Here's what it's profitable for. Is it sufficient? Yes, it is. It's profitable for doctrine. Can I know what doctrine is? Do I need to go to some preacher to get doctrine? No. Scripture. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness to the intent that the man of God is complete. Am I complete with the Word of God? Yeah. I don't need anything else. 
I don't need the high-powered philosophical bull that's put out out here by this world and its professed smart people. I don't need it. I just need the Word of God. In fact, Peter said it plainly in 1 Peter uh, 5, verse 6. He said, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. That's placing oneself under the direction, the counsel, the leadership of God under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. You think maybe He can lift you up and exalt you in a wicked world and make you able to stand against all of its cunning craftiness as men lay in wait to deceive you like Paul warned? Yeah. And so we have all Scripture that makes us complete. We don't need anything else. Does it sound like you need the Book of Mormon? Paul said 2,000 years ago at that time that in the Scriptures you had all that you needed to make you complete. Mormons come along and say, well, you know, you're not complete without the latter-day revelation. You're not complete without our Book of Mormon. Well, I don't agree with the Bible. The Bible called him a liar. Didn't it? Didn't Paul just call him a liar? Because the completeness is found in the Scriptures that was delivered by the apostles, that authoritative word, 2,000 years ago. To make you complete. And Paul finished by, with these words, you're thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So do you need anything else? But yet, there is this mindset that wants to uh, flake off this idea amongst us in many ways that the Word is just here, there, and everywhere. A little bit here and a little bit there. and There's, there's voids in it. Like it's not complete. I ain't what the Bible says, and that ain't what it proves either. It's complete. And so since God is for us, and we know that from the Scriptures, and from life itself, and from the creation, who or what can be against us? All right, 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. Now, there's many passages we could use, but these four should be sufficient to show you the all-sufficiency of the Word of God, what it can do for you and me. 2 Peter 1, 3. According as God's divine grace, His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and to godliness. Now we've got to stop there and think about that, don't we? He's given us what? Well, He said all things. All things what? That pertain unto what? Life and godlikeness. Does it sound like I'm insufficient? No, He's given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Now in a moment, we're going to find out where we find this. 
through the knowledge of Him that's called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lusts. So do we have all things? Yeah, we do. Are we sufficient? Yeah, we are. God has made us that way through His Word. My time's up in it. I can't read that stupid clock back there. It's got a light shines on it. It's noon, Dad. Huh? It's noon right now. It's noon? Okay. We're finished. But let me wrap it up together a little bit. That'll take another 30 minutes. (laughs) I know what you guys are thinking. (laughs) And I don't dare say that it's over when the fat lady sings. Because then I'd offend somebody, wouldn't I? Surely. Uh, Oh, I wanted to finish one other passage, and that's Jude 3. Jude 3. There's no chapter there because it's just one chapter. So it's Jude 3. Just the verse. Jude said, when I wrote unto you, it was needful for me to write and to uh, that you, uh, to earnestly. How does it say that? Earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly contend for the faith, not a faith. There's a difference between a faith and the faith. The faith places it in the station of one unique, complete situation. It was needful for me to write to you and admonish you to earnestly contend for the faith which was once and for all delivered unto the saints. Now maybe your Bible doesn't read exactly that wordage. But that's the wordage that the Greek used in that text. The verb there is once and for all time delivered unto the saints. It's never to be changed. It's never to be altered. It's never to be added to or subtracted from. It is that authoritative word that's complete in every respect. Now, let me show you where we're going to go from this. Uh, Next, well, whenever I preach again. uh, We will take this authoritative word And we will see that God demands absolute respect for that word. You can't can't just decide for yourself and make up your own religion. We'll see that. And in that, we'll see that you can't add to the word, and neither can you take away from it. Over there, no subtraction or substitution. And then we'll see examples of those who tried to do that. God killed them. God killed them immediately. You can't add or subtract to God's Word, but it is sufficient within itself. It's all you need. You don't need some high-powered preacher. It's amazing to me that in God's choice of preaching, preachers, you read your Bible. 
Who did he choose? He always chose a Gideon to do his work. A man that the world would say is not capable and able. able. He wouldn't have the credentials from Harvard, Yale, Princeton, and Cambridge, and the great edification uh, uh, stations of our life, of our time. Wouldn't have that. Why didn't Jesus go down to Jerusalem amongst those elite Jews that knew the law? It had been a school for years. Why didn't he go down there and choose his apostles? He chose what the enemy said was lowly Galileans. Remember when they heard the apostles speak? Every time they said, Are not these lowly Galileans? And how hear we ever man in our own language wherein we were born? God always chose what we would call the underling. He always chose the humble man. He chose the Gideons. You remember Gideon? God chose him to lead the children of Israel out of bondage. They were at war with hundreds and thousands of the enemy and of the Amalekites. And God chose Gideon. Now Gideon knew who he was. He was a nobody. And God had to present two signs to show him uh, that uh, uh, he was accepted by God and chosen by God. Because even Gideon said, as the army of Israel knew, that he was the least man in the least tribe of the least family of all of Israel. He knew that. He was down on the threshing floor doing woman's work. And Gideon chose him. You know why? Because the man was so simple he wouldn't trust in Harvard, Yale, Princeton, and Cambridge. He wouldn't trust in man's wisdom. He would trust only in God. And that's how they won the battle. Well, that's where we're going with this lesson. I hope you come back and finish it out. And then when you finish, you're going to have the information you need to teach your neighbor if they're willing to listen. You can show them Christ has all authority. These pompous pigs with a big mouth from Washington, D.C. and from all these nations of the world, they're just, they're just noise. That's all they are. They answer to the Lord Jesus Christ and His authority as He brings this world to its consummation the way He wants it. Not the way we think want it or think it ought to be. Why does he allow wars and confusion? Because it all fits into his program of re redeeming ruined humanity. Well, I'm going to have to cut it off somewhere and that'll be where it's cut off. Now, so we generally stand up and sing a closing hymn and have a prayer. And then we get after the steak or whatever we got to eat. <laughs> Hot dogs, they're all right, aren't they? So let's stand and sing our closing hymn.